Hey there, everyone. Eric Rosenberg here from Personal Profitability, and you are listening to Annie Talks. everyone and welcome to another episode of Annie Talks where we bring to you interesting stories about interesting people that you want to know about. I'm your host Annie Rivera. Thank you for tuning in and to those who have already subscribed. If you're new to the podcast, welcome and I hope you enjoy what you hear and if so, I personally invite you to subscribe. Annie Talks is brought to you by Daily Gadgets and More. Daily Gadgets and More is proud and committed to offering the largest variety of high quality products at the lowest prices and the best customer service. Find us on Instagram or visit dailygadgetsandmore.com. That's dailygadgetsandmore.com. Hey everyone, as we kick off 2019, many people have included as part of their New Year's resolution to make more money. Now, if you're one of those people, you've asked yourself a thousand times, how do I go about making more money? Let me ask you this, do you have a side hustle? Do you have multiple streams of income? Do you have a hobby or a passion that you've always felt could turn into a small business? Most people work nine to five jobs and have very little time to do much else, let alone have time to turn your passions or hobbies into a side hustle. My guest on this episode, Eric Rosenberg, was one of those people who started his career like everyone else. He went to business school, graduated, and got a job at a bank. A short while later, after deciding this particular bank just wasn't for him and spending a few months as a restaurant server, he jumped into a corporate finance and accounting job for the next 10 years. Now, while working a full-time job, Eric started freelancing as a blogger and slowly built income. He started making small profits at the time, but then he started getting $25 to $35 per article on a regular basis. And then his income grew exponentially. He earned $40,000 in one year, all from this side hustle. So in 2016, with a small six-month-old baby and a stay-at-home wife, he quit his high-paying stable job in finance to write blogs full-time from home. So in this episode, Eric shares his story about his journey, why he did it, and what he's been doing since then. So without further delay, here now is my conversation with Eric Rosenberg. Hey, Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, truly appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm excited to get going. Yay, so are we. So why don't we jump right in? Why don't you give us a sense of who you are, your hometown, your background, and then kind of explain the road to creating your personal profitability blog and podcast. Yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, my name is Eric Rosenberg. As you mentioned, I live in Southern California in a little city called Ventura, kind of near Santa Barbara. That's a good reference point for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I will never leave. The weather here is incredible. 
I don't know if I should put that secret out there on the internet, though. <laughs> no, that's that's our secret, and only others can just live vicariously through us, yeah? <laughs> yeah I, grew, I grew up in Denver. I was there about 25 years, and I met my now wife there, decided I needed a little adventure, and we went to Portland for about two and a half years. And it was up there that I finally reached the point I was ready to quit my day job thing and go full-time online. But at that point, I made a promise to myself that I will do everything possible to avoid scraping ice off a windshield ever again. And part of that meant moving to Southern California where my wife was from. So that's how we landed here. But it was a long journey to get to that point where I was able to quit my job. It actually goes back about 10 years. Actually, next week from when we're recording, my site turns 10, which blows my mind. My Congratulations. Oldest yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my oldest daughter is almost three. So it's like my site is seven years older than my kids. That's where probably where my family really started. <laughs> oh, very cool. So tell us a little bit about that story. Tell us that from, from what I was reading, from business school, grad school, working in the bank industry to blogging and now the personal profitability uh, blog and and podcasts. Tell us that road. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you had it just right. I started way back in business school. I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder, you know, keeping with those Colorado roots for my undergrad degree. That's where I got a finance degree. It started my road towards what I thought was going to be a career that I hoped would lead me to the C-suite at a Fortune 500 company. I never really thought self-employment was going to be my thing. I thought I'd have the best success in the corporate world. So that's exactly where I started. I went to a bank. It was a local bank in the um, Colorado area. And I decided it wasn't really the right fit for me in the long run. But I learned so much when I was working in that bank. I was approving mortgages. I was reviewing credit scores and credit reports. I was in charge of the day-to-day of the tellers and the new accounts department and customer service. So I had that whole all-in banking experience. And along the same time, I started reading personal finance blogs. And a lot of them were telling stories of people who had been in a lot of debt and were trying to get out of that debt. And as I was reading that, I started to think to myself, well, geez, I've never been in debt. I have a finance degree. Just last month, I was approving mortgages. I should be the one who's writing about personal finance. So that's exactly what I started in uh, October 2008. I started what was then, because I didn't know much about internet branding, it was narrowbridgeadventures.blogspot.com. I've come a long way. But that was, that was where it all started. And I met some amazing people on the way. You, back then, you, people were afraid to use their real name online. Facebook was still a pretty new thing. Only college kids had it for the most part. So it wasn't like, Everyone was out there saying, oh, you know, here's my deal. Here, here's my name, being super transparent on the internet. But along the way, that's what I started to do. My audience started to grow and I started connecting with networks of personal finance bloggers. And those networks, they turned out to be really helpful in, in getting to where I am today. So the first one I joined was called the Yakezi. And it's still out there. It's not as active as it used to be. But the Yakezi network taught me a lot about how to take my little blog and start making a little bit of ad revenue there. And in 2011, a a group of those people were going to this brand new financial blogging conference. And I was like, well, I I don't know, should I get on a plane by myself? I was in my early 20s and get on a plane and go meet 200 finance blogging nerds in Chicago. (laughs) I just wasn't sure what to expect. It, It was kind of a scary outside the box thing. And I thought, well, if I make enough money on my blog to pay for the trip, I'll go. 
And I'm really, really glad that happened. And that's exactly what happened. I made enough at uh, what was then Narrow Bridge Finance to pay for the trip. And I flew off to Chicago. And that's where I really learned how to turn my blog from a hobby that makes a few dollars into a full business. And you know, the whole time I was still working a full-time job, this was just a side hustle. Right. So I picked up an MBA along the way, also in finance. Again, continuing on that corporate career track. Mm-hmm. But the, the blog income kept growing and growing. And then after a few years, that blogging conference, which became named FinCon, I actually just got home yesterday from it. Mm-hmm. FinCon um, introduced me to all these great brands and corporate content managers who were looking for bloggers for their websites. And one of them said to me one day, you know, Eric, we really like your style. You have the credentials, you have the MBA. We'd love if you'd write for our site and we'll pay you. And I was like, whoa, you'll pay me to write? I will write whatever you want if you pay me. That sounds awesome. So that's what I did. I got my first freelance client there. And and that goes to show I didn't realize at the time when I started my little blog as a side hustle, I was creating a resume for a new career path I had no idea I even wanted. So that freelancing thing actually started to really grow and take off. And it grew and grew until I realized it was making way more than the blog that led to it. So And the chicken and an egg thing, the blog came first, the freelancing came second. But in 2015, that led to a side hustle income of just about $40,000 in revenue. It was $39,000 and change. But I was a senior financial analyst. I regularly rounded to a million. So I figured $39,000, that's like $40,000. So I did the uh, $40,000 on the side in that year. And I was looking at um, the average um, income for anybody in the Portland area where I lived at the time. And that was about $40,000. And I started to think, well, geez, if I can do this in 10 to 20 hours a week and make what the average person makes, imagine what I could do if I went full time and did this, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So like any good responsible dad with a six-month-old daughter and a stay-at-home mom-wife, I decided to quit my job, sell my house, and move to the most expensive part of the country. <laughs> it worked out That's great. so funny. Uh-huh. So that was our, my next question was that, that aha moment. I think we just kind of went from that or you kind of uh, um, explained that. So you had a side hustle as the as the freelance and then the blog and then what was the, can you drill down to maybe the actual, you said something about uh, quitting your job and then selling your house and then moving, but was that the actual aha moment? That was the, that was it. That was the spark. That was the light that went off. And you said, I'm going to do this because you knew you could make that income right at, at 40,000 plus it was already, it was already peaking, you know, at that highest point for you, you're thinking, oh, that's it. That, this, I can do it. Was that the actual moment that happened for you? Well, I would probably had a little seed planted in the back of my head going to FinCon every year because that is a really positive and wonderful community that is very supportive of everybody doing well. It's not like a cutthroat thing where it's like, I do well and you don't do well. We all try to do well together there. And I kept seeing other people take the leap from gray cubicles to online self-employment. And I was Mm. like, wow, that would be so cool. But I could never do that. You know, the health insurance and the good paycheck. I was a senior financial analyst. It's not like I was walking away from a uh, $10 an hour job. I was doing really, really well in my career. Mm -hmm. So to walk away was a huge risk. It was a very scary thing. But Mm -hmm. I, I kept thinking about it as I watched more and more friends do it. 
And then when I hit that $40,000 point, that was the trigger moment where I was like, wow, this really might be able to work as a full-time thing. Got it. Now you mentioned, what was it? What was that convention that you... you oh, yes. FinCon. It's a, it's a sh- shortened for financial conference or financial oh, bloggers conference. Okay. Very cool. Now tell us about um, the personal profitability model that you have. How, how did you get started with that? And, and then, so tell, t- take us on that little course there, because I'm not sure um, for people listening uh, what that actually is and, and how, how can others benefit from it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the idea of personal profitability actually came from something I was working on back in my day job in those financial analyst days. I was a product finance analyst or FP&A, financial planning and analysis. So each day at work, I'd sit in my gray cubicle staring at Excel on spreadsheets, trying to help make sure each product line at the different companies I was at was as profitable as possible. Mm-hmm. And I actually had an aha moment. I, I was standing in the shower and just like a light bulb went off, which isn't that where all the best thoughts come from? Yeah. When you're in the shower. <laughs> I was in the shower. I actually used to have, I bought kids markers to draw on bathtubs and I used to keep them in my shower so I could write ideas down on the shower wall. Really? Oh my <laughs> so I was goodness. standing in the shower and I had the light bulb moment. I'm like, this site shouldn't be narrow bridge finance. It's really about personal profitability. Because I really think it's so important that we look at our own money like a business. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to take every personal finance book ever and every expert and TV show and all those different things people say about money, I'd compress it down to one or two sentences, spend less than you earn, save or invest the rest. Wow. That, that's right. really what personal profitability is about. But again, that's easier said than done. So sure. at the site, I try to help people walk through multiple steps and a long journey to get from wherever you are now to wherever you want to be with your finances. And that is a unique thing just to you. It's called personal, pro- personal finance because it's personal and personal mm-hmm. profitability is personal as well. So if you look at yourself as a business and try to maximize the profit, which is what you keep, you'll be in the best financial situation And I like to start that with getting back to the personal finance basics, things like budgeting, taking advantage of an employer 401k match if you have that, getting a little bit of a portfolio going, maybe turning on some automated investments, making sure you have an emergency fund. All those core financial topics is where I start everyone on the journey. I actually have a a course that's free called Personal Profitability Bootcamp. It's a week-long course that walks you right through those steps to just get an understanding of your finances. Because if you ignore them, you know, no one ever said, you know, I ignored my money problems until they fixed themselves. <laughs> that, that never happens. And the lottery is not a good retirement plan. I mean, you're more likely to get eaten by a shark than win the Powerball. And you're not really <laughs> likely to get eaten by a shark. I'm not telling you that to scare you. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so- Yeah. So once you get those basics in check, then it's time to focus on your income side. And I like to think about budgeting a lot like dieting. Mm -hmm. It's really important, no matter where we are in our life, that we focus on our health at some point. And if if we were working on, let's say, a weight loss issue, we could sit on a treadmill or stand on a treadmill Mm -hmm. for 16 hours a day. But if all we do when we get home is eat pizza and cake and drink sugary drinks, you'll probably still lose weight. You, know, you can eat forever, but there's only a limit for how much weight you can lose through exercise. The same thing is with money, except it's the opposite. 
you can only budget so much. You can only get to zero. There's no more that you can save in a day at a certain point after cutting all of your bills. Mm-hmm. But your income, the input can go forever. So rather than try to get super frugal and save, you know, nine cents on a bottle of shampoo or something, you know, and if that's what people are into and couponing, that's fine for them. But I know I could do a lot better with an hour of my time working on trying to make more money rather than, you know, focusing on my budget or couponing. Not to say I don't budget. I've been doing that for a long time. I'm not saying to ignore that. Mm-hmm. But once you get that basic part done, the income should really be the focus. And for most people, the best way to boost your income is either you know, do really, really well at your day job and get a raise mm-hmm. or start a side hustle and start building some business income. So that was a, that's a good, that's a good point because for, so for someone, let's say who, who only has the, say their one, you know, one job or uh, maybe one or two um, streams of income, let's say, and they live paycheck to paycheck, let's say, and don't have that disposable income. I mean, how do you, how, what, what kind of advice do you give them? And what if they don't have, you know, the time to, to have a side hustle, uh, what advice can you give to someone like that? Yeah, well, there, I'd say, you know, first, look at where you really spend your time. I used to think I was so busy and didn't have time for anything after I got home from my job that was probably about 50 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I had that job while I was getting my MBA full time and I was side hustling. Mm-hmm. I was doing all three at the same time. And I was able to do that by cutting waste time out of my schedule. And one of the worst phrases I've ever heard is killing time. Never Mm -hmm. kill time. You can always make more money. You can't make more time. So use your time with, you know, with with thoughtful intention. Don't just let it go to waste. And one of the easiest places to pick on because it worked for me and it works for so many others is like the TV, Mm -hmm. maybe Twitter or Facebook. Mm -hmm. I used to have cable TV. I would get home from work after my my nine to five, which was really more like an eight to six. (laughs) And I'd get home. And what, what I did what everyone else did. I turned on the TV, I'd zone out, I'd have dinner, go to sleep, wake up and do it again. But when I canceled cable, this amazing thing happened. Not only did I start saving $70 every month, which now I did that in 2011. So since then, it's been like over $6,000 I've saved by not having cable. Wow. That also gave me hours a week more that I could do something I cared more about. Imagine if you had just you know, five hours every week to work on a side hustle, you could start a side hustle with that. You don't need 50 hours a week. You don't need to go full time on two things to make a side hustle work. That's why it's called a side hustle and not a, jo- a main job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, find those few hours you can, whether it's TV or video games or, you know, anything where you spend your time that you're not getting the maximum value back. It's all about that value. So, you know, if, if you really, really, really love a Sunday football game, it doesn't mean you can't not watch the game, but find other time in your schedule you could free up to work on some kind of a, a side income project. I'd say unless you're, it, it is tough. I, I you know, tip my hat to single parents who are juggling multiple kids. That situation mm-hmm. is tough to find time. And if you can find any way to incorporate your kids, that's great. But for most people, you probably do have the time if you really, really look at your schedule and where your time goes. 
Yeah, got it. Now, is this something that you go over in your boot camp as well? Um, do you do you structure uh, your your boot camps in such a way where you kind of paint the scenarios for each individual and say, you know, this uh, kind of what you just explained there? You know, you do have the time, and, and you know, you kind of have to light that fire under them. Is that what you do in your boot camps as well? I talk about that a little bit on the last day when we start getting into side hustles. Most okay. of the boot camp is really more focused on the personal finance side. Oh, okay. Once you get through the boot camp, which that's just week one, once you get through the boot camp, then there's a lot more lessons and things on opportunities like this. Um, but I don't always go into every detail, so it's good you're listening to this show too. <laughs> sure. So tell us your um, website so we can all take a look at that as well. Yes, it's personal profitability. Dot com and there at the top you can easily find links to join the boot camp if you're I'm assuming you're into podcasts if you're a listener I also have a podcast uh, I have the blog I, I've been doing income reports since 2012 so you can go back and drill down and see my exact uh, transparent online income from when I just after I started side hustling to when I quit my job all the way till today. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. And now let's talk a little bit about you as you're uh, on your road to becoming an entrepreneur, uh, your, your journey. Can you tell us maybe about an obstacle or, or something that challenged you that, um, you know, took, took your time, took your efforts, took all your, you know, all your, your emotional strengths and whatnot and how you were able to overcome it for people who are out there who are entrepreneurs, who are entrepreneurs and are going through those similar struggles. Can you t- tell us about what tactics you, you, um, you took to overcome some of those challenges? I'm glad you asked that because, as you said, it is such a common thing that entrepreneurs run into different obstacles and brick walls and mental blocks that keep them from growing. Mm-hmm. And for me, one of the biggest ones was when I quit my job, I, as I said, my primarily, primary income was freelancing, but I wasn't all just freelance writing. Writing was a major part of it, but I was also doing freelance website design and development for WordPress okay. sites. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot because I'd connected to other bloggers and other startup entrepreneurs looking to do what I was doing. And I built all my websites myself because I was stubborn and didn't want to pay anyone to do it. <laughs> so I learned how to do it all. Yeah. And people started paying me to do it. But about three or so months after I quit the day job, I remember vividly, I was sitting at my kitchen table it was a warm, probably hot-ish, but kind of muggy California afternoon. We were about a mile from the beach then. And I was sitting at the kitchen table looking at my QuickBooks on my laptop, which is where I do all my accounting and bookkeeping. And as a, as a past accountant, I have very, very detailed bookkeeping. My, uh, an accountant friend, I showed my books once and he made fun of me because they were so detailed. Oh, but wow. Me, that level of detail led to this insight moment I had. So I was looking and I saw that about 76% of my income was coming from freelance writing and about 15% at that time was coming from the website work. And I'd been struggling over the couple months before thinking, you know, I've been putting in those extra hours that I knew I would do when I quit the job, but I wasn't seeing the income grow as quickly or as correlated as I would have liked. You know, I thought if I went from 20 to 40 hours a week, my income should roughly double but I wasn't getting that result. And, and on a freelancing, when it's a more dollars per hours kind of thing, rather than a scalable business, 
for me, that was really concerning because it meant my hourly rate was going down for, for some reason. Mm-hmm. When I looked at that QuickBooks report, I, it was like the 80-20 rule had smacked me in the face. <laughs> and if oh, you've never wow. heard of that, listeners, it's also known as Pareto's principle. And the idea is that 80% of your um, results come from 20% of your work and the remaining 80% of your work gives you 20% of your results. And 76% of my income was awfully close to 80. Mm -hmm. And I was spending about 20% of my time on the writing. Mm -hmm. And the 15, 17% I was making from the website work, that was taking 80% of my time roughly and probably giving me over 90% of my stress. So when I looked at that, I thought, (laughs) Well, geez, if I just stopped doing website work, which I was making, you know, two to 3000 a month on. So it wasn't pocket change. I was doing okay with it. I thought, well, if I cut this, maybe my writing income will go way up. So I took the risk and I cut out doing the website work over about six weeks. I found on my recurring clients, a new place. You know, I wanted them to have a good experience there, but then over the next three ish months, my income roughly tripled. And that was the first time I broke through $10,000 a month in online revenue. And I haven't looked back. I've only missed it a couple of times since. Uh, one time was because my fire, there was a big fire and I had a baby and my house almost burned down at once. So I'm like, I get a little slack there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that, that was December. The uh, Thomas fire in Ventura was about oh. a block from my house. Wow. So, so I gave myself a little slack there. But otherwise, I've you know, worked hard and stayed focused and I've been able to maintain that six-figure online income. And it started from that challenge of figuring out why is my business not growing as much mm-hmm. as I want it to when I'm putting in all of this effort. So I just had to figure out where to put my efforts to get the best results. Awesome. So it looks like you kind of did a reassessment, kind of did your own internal inventory and decided that this is, you, you, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to cut the cord with, with something that in order for other things to kind of grow. Sounds yes. Like. yes. Awesome. And it's often, you know, something that I, I find often happens with entrepreneurs is that we have this idea in our head that mm-hmm. we think this is it. This is what's going to work. And I thought I was going to go be like uh, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, if you're familiar. Yes. He uh-huh. does income reports as well. And he has an extra zero on the end for mine. <laughs> I, I was looking at everything he was doing and I was, I was modeling my business roughly in that kind of direction. I, of course, with my own flair and my own content and my own style. But I look up to Pat. He's a great guy. And you know that's not what Google had in plan for me. So what I had planned wasn't what was working. It was the freelancing that was working. So it was the same kind of thing going back earlier in, in the blogging world for me. I figured out I was making so much more freelancing than writing on my own site. I needed to focus more there. So it's, you're just focusing, focusing on what's working and repeating it again and again until you get the results you want. So, I mean, it's not to say you don't have strengths in other, you know, areas and other categories. It's just kind of honing in on, on, the, on, on maybe one or two strengths to kind of bring you the most um, pr- pr- um, productivity and then profitability, it sounds yes, like. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Very good. Yay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I'm sure that our listeners can completely appreciate that and even um, relate to that. So thank you. Thank you for that. I hope you're enjoying this podcast episode. We'll be right back after this short message from one of our sponsors. 
Comfotherm Thermal Wraps are designed to help relieve the pain and swelling in and around the jaw, especially after wisdom teeth extractions. For more information, visit Comfotherm.com. That's Comfotherm.com. Could you talk about a memorable moment, say, in your journey and, and um, you know, some of your, your achievements? Um, maybe one or two and just kind of as open as, it, as you'd like and can share with us. Sure. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite memories of being an entrepreneur has to do more with the lifestyle I get from being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. than the actual results. Because but I admit I have two finance degrees. I love money just because it's money. I kind of wish I could be like Scrooge McDuck and swim around in piles of gold. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we also have to remember that you know, work-life balance is a saying for a reason. And the life part is why we do the work part. You know, I, I live to live, not live to work. Right. And I remember one day I was super stressed out. It was actually in that time where I was working on that tripling my income over three months. And I'm in a mastermind group, which I'm a big fan of mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys in my mastermind group, I was talking to about how stressed I was. And he's like, you need to take breaks during the day. You can't just stare at a computer 16 hours a day and expect you're going to be happy. And I had uh, my daughter was probably about one. Mm -hmm. And I remember this one day I said, it was about three in the afternoon. I'd hit my revenue goal for the day and then some. And I turned off my laptop and I said to my wife, let's go on a walk and get some ice cream. And just being able to go and get an ice cream cone at three in the afternoon on a weekday made you know, a lot of those other stresses and worries fade away. So that, that was one of my favorite entrepreneurial moments was when I was able to just say, without talking to a boss, without getting permission, I'm going to go take my daughter and get some ice cream. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I know. It's, 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 it's true, though. I mean, you can, because, because of that entrepreneurial lifestyle, you have that ability just to, you know, yeah, you, you know, walk out your front door like I do and mm-hmm. take my dogs on a, on a, you know, five to 10 minute walk or whatever it may be or walk or, or take a longer walk, right? And, and then even, yeah, I mean, stop and get coffee, stop and get ice cream. And, and that's, that is the lifestyle that we all strive to to achieve. And, you know, you doing that is certainly, um, it's inspirational for all of us and entrepreneurs that we can, you know, that is something that we also want to achieve and it's attainable. And um, so it's certainly, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I encourage everyone to, fi- what, for me, it was ice cream, but it's like find your ice cream. Maybe yeah. it's reading a book. Maybe it's walking the dog. Maybe it's just sitting in a park and watching the clouds go by, but find your ice cream and go do it. <laughs> That's awesome. A spontaneous trip to the beach. I see that you, I, I was looking at your website and I was very, uh, hello, I was very envious of the, <laughs> or, or your YouTube, uh, YouTube channel. I was very envious at some of the, the sites that I saw behind you. Oh, look at, I'm here in Ventura and I'm on the beach. Um, hello. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have to so, remind that's another perk of the entrepreneur thing. If I want to make a YouTube video, I could sit here in my home office, which I've made, I'd like to think it's pretty cool and comfortable. I've got some big maps on the wall. I'm kind of a geography and travel nerd, but I know for the lifestyle, you know, I live about two to three miles from the beach. So sometimes I've just got to get out there and make my videos there because 
why not? And it's, it's such a much more fun place than sitting in an office. Exactly. That's true. Why not? Right? Why not? Can you share with us something about Eric that people don't already know that, uh, you know, we would find maybe a fun fact that we could find really interesting and say, oh, I, didn't, I had no idea. What, yeah, what fun yeah. fact can you share with us? I'll offer you guys a couple and a lot of my friends know these, but you guys don't know them because, because you're just getting to know me. Right. So yeah. in, uh, in a past life, one of my side hustles was nightclub DJing. <laughs> really? That was a lot of fun. And actually just this last week at FinCon, um, I've become such good friends with the guy who runs it because I've gone so many years. Mm-hmm. He asked me to be the DJ for the conference. So I was up on stage welcoming keynote speakers like Gene Chatsky uh, to the stage with, uh, and uh, Rachel Cruz, another big personal finance name with great thumping music. So that was a lot of fun. How and fun. Uh-huh. And I'm also into, um, I guess, slightly eccentric hobbies. <laughs> and one that I uh, decided to do right before I went full time, I got my pilot's license. So I can fly <gasps> small uh, two or four seat planes. Really? That's so cool. How, how fun is that to just, I mean, here's another one of those entrepreneurial lifestyle moments where like, ah, I'm going to go fly my plane today. Yeah, I, I don't own a plane. I have to oh, rent and they're very okay. expensive to fly. So I don't fly sure. as often as I'd like, mm-hmm. but it is so much fun to be able to sit. I, I feel like James Bond. Like I can just hop in a plane and turn it on and go down the runway and and see where the wind takes me. And I mean, of course I have to come back and land safely, but yeah, there's such a freeing feeling because with the road, you have to follow the road. Mm-hmm. When I get in a plane, I mean, I'll, I'll go with a cheesy quote from uh, Back to the Future. You know, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Well, that's really awesome. I love those two fun facts. But yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea that you were this, you know, uh, uh, thumping DJ. So that's really cool. And then to know that you're, um, you have your pilot's license and that you can fly a plane. I mean, hello, we can only, you know, do, uh, I can only just live vicariously through you. So thank you. <laughs> well, sometime we'll, we'll be in the same place. We'll go hop on a plane and take a flight. There you go. Awesome. I'll hold you to that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so now if you could do anything differently, um, I love to ask this question because I, I think it just, I love the answers. I love, I love to see where everybody's mindsets are and then how they could maybe in retrospect kind of, you know, um, if they were to do anything differently, how would they plot it, their lives? But what would you tell your 21-year-old self about what you know now? I would say to keep a very open mind in what's possible because I've, actually, I've been told this before. When I started my MBA program, before we even went to class, I remember we had a like team building kind of thing for all the new incoming students. And they gave a presentation. And one of the professors said, most of the jobs that you know, high school kids will have in their career don't exist yet today. You know, mm-hmm. 10 years from now, so many things will be so different than they are right now. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, when I was growing up, I never met one person that said they wanted to be a blogger when they grew up. But that's yeah. what I do. Mm-hmm. And when I was 21, I would have never thought I was going to be a writer. I would have laughed at you. if You told me that in you know, 12 years, my full-time income would be from writing. So mm-hmm. you know, keep an open mind to, to the possibilities and go with the flow. Say yes to opportunities and you never know where they'll take you. Awesome. Oh, my goodness. All good pieces of advice, especially, you know, uh, say yes to opportunities and then and that come up. Uh, uh, 
um, I come across to you. So I love that. I love that you said that about having an open mind too, because um, I think most 20, 18 to 21 year olds already do, but I think they're not, they're not thinking about long-term. They're not thinking about, you know, what's ahead of them. They're just kind of going the flow. There's, you know, they go to school because they have to, or, or, you know, they have to get a job because they have to, but they just don't have that, that mentality yet to, you know, um, start thinking ahead, right? So I like that you, I like what you said there, have an open mind and then say yes to opportunities. So awesome. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> and then what parting words in, of wisdom, you kind of said it there a little bit, but what parting words of wisdom can you share with our listeners? Um, those who are aspiring to be entrepreneurs, who are maybe timid and don't know how yet to, you know, jump in with all, with both feet. What, what aspiring words of wisdom can you give them? I'd say, don't wait for permission. No, no one ever came and said to me, all right, Eric, you should go start a personal finance blog today. Mm-hmm. No one ever came to me and said, you, know, you should go look for new freelance clients. No one ever said to me, you should start a podcast or you should start a YouTube channel. These are all things I had to figure out. I had to go and learn and seek out advice and ideas. And your listeners, you're already doing great by being here. <laughs> you're already taking some mm-hmm. of those steps. But you know, don't just take it away and be inspired. Go take action. It takes action to succeed. So stop waiting for someone to give you permission or tell you to start. You have to say today is day one and go hit the road running. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. That's so, that's so nice. Uh, reminds me of that Shrek, um, Shrek the musical. There's a, there's a song, there's a song that Fiona sings and it's, it's called today, I think. Uh, and the line is today is the day. So yeah, today is the day, everybody. Today is the day to just go out and, and, you know, start doing what you like and start, you know, as Eric says, don't wait for people to give you permission. Just go do. Um, find ways to do it, figure it out and, and, you know, learn constantly. I'm a lifelong learner myself. I'm always trying to learn or trying to find, you know, different new ways of doing things. So like Eric said, you guys go out there, just go do, don't wait for people to give you permission to do things. And then where can we follow you? You said your website earlier, but what about social media and your YouTube? Want to plug that in for us? Definitely. Yeah. So on uh, Twitter, that's probably the easiest place to find me. I'm most active there on all the social medias and there I'm Eric profits. And you can also find me at youtube.com slash Eric Rosenberg for my videos. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. You have uh, all great insight and wonderful words of wisdom that we can all, all of us can, you know, take pieces, uh, bits of information and apply in our own journey. Um, my journey, especially, and, and others uh, who are listening, their, their journey. And if you want to learn about personal profitability, everyone, be sure to go check out Eric's website. Erica, thank you again so very, very much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yay. Thank you. Well, that's it, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Annie Talks and learning about Eric Rosenberg and his personal profitability bootcamp and podcast. I love Eric's mantra as it relates to work-life balance, which is live to live, not live to work. 
Were you inspired by Eric? Are you inspired to go find your ice cream? I know I am. If you're interested in learning more about Eric's personal profitability bootcamp, visit his website. I will have all that information in the show notes below. You can also follow his social media links, which I will have down below in the show notes as well. Now, before you go, if you haven't already subscribed to Annie Talks, I invite you to hit subscribe and be notified anytime we upload a new episode. If you could also rate and review my podcast, it would surely help me out and it will help others to find this podcast too. You can also follow Annie Talks on social media. I will have all the social media links down below in the show notes as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in and keep listening to Annie Talks. Hey there, profiteers. Eric Rosenberg here from personalprofitability.com and you are listening to Annie Talks.